Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about Nick's adventures in Alabama, Rob's recent rookie boating move, my practice at the U.S. Open, and we end with a great story from our buddy Todd Klein. Hope you guys enjoy. I remember a couple years ago when Josh let me get in his fantasy football leagues with all the A-listers and fishing and the old Apache Junction uh, specialists got, they never got invited back, bro. I got to, I got runner up and you never that, invited me back. That league went away. I mean, I, that's just oh, my story and I'm trying to, that oh, league okay. went away. It went, went it was away. the fishing league. That was uh, James league with all his buddies from Oklahoma. Yeah. But, it went away. No, dude, you got to be an official fisherman to be in the fishing league. And clearly, well, an official fisherman, well, bro, I caught a, cat, caught a catfish <laughs> off of a jet ski dog. That's his, blow the whistle. That's official. Oh, dude, I'm just kidding. I knew that would sting. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the English Happy Hour podcast. And uh, it's Sunday afternoon. We're recording. We're a few days late. So as always, as we apologize every episode, sorry, we're a few days late. But now there is no schedule. So um, this apology is brought to you by the new Berkeley Havoc. If you, <laughs> Josh, my wife's prediction is we're going to fall off if we don't get more consistent. She dropped All that right. on me today. Well, that's, that that's Ricky, a Bobby. great point she makes. So we need to uh, tighten up, <laughs> tighten down the hatches a little bit. But anyways, it is Sunday afternoon. I got football playing behind me. Um, so we've been talking a little football here before we started recording. But it's uh, it's been a busy week for uh, all of us. And, uh, you know, I know Nick had been out of town. Um, but let's start with you, Rob. What's going on your way, man, since we last chatted? Uh, just been guiding a bunch. Um, got a bunch of trips this week. So staying busy with that. I've got a little story. I, uh, my buddy Les and I went and fished Roosevelt yesterday and his boat was in getting his, uh, his Garmin, uh, forward facing sonar put on. So we took my boat and we towed it with his truck, get to the boat ramp at O dark 30 and, uh, we're unhooking the straps and taking the motor toter off and he's loading, loading, more tackle than you could ever imagine in my boat. And I go to the bow of the boat and I go to unhook the front. And I said, Les, I said, uh, do you think you can chill out if I unhook this and not knock my boat off the trailer as we drive down the ramp and back it in? So we had a little, we always have fun like that, you know, back and forth a little bit. Talk trash he's like, all I day. Drive, what's that? Just talk trash all day. All day <laughs> long. That's yeah. If we're not talking trash, something's wrong. So he takes it easy, backs up. There's a couple, couple uh, kayakers just launching on the ramp right there. I said, good morning, guys. How you doing? As Les is backing me up. And I mean, you know how it is when you're with your buddy, you, you, you put the boat in the water, right? You kind of get after it just to get it off the trailer, right? Push them back a little bit. And, and you trust your buddy, right? Like yeah. it's not, it's not like uh, of someone that, that you just met. And it's their $80,000 rig. Like you just, you just sling yeah. your buddy into the water. Dunk them. Okay. Yep. So me being a fan of Miami boat ramp uh, nice. fails, <laughs> I thank God there was no one there videotaping me because in all the trash talking, I forgot to take one strap off. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and had I left both straps on, we would have been okay. But one yes. dude. The pirouette. Oh, it no. It, but it threw my boat up onto the fender completely oh. sideways on the trailer because <laughs> he came in hot yeah which which i expect him to right and anyhow oh. with a little maneuvering and whatever i got the boat back on pulled it forward undid it got it back so les gets back down there he's like man he goes you got your plug in he just all uh, it. Uh, like it made his, never it made the it. fishing trip for him so <laughs> made his made his decade dude oh, that'll, be a, sure. that'll be a 10-year run oh yeah <laughs> Did you have to go in the water to like push your boat back up straight? Were you in no, the water? No, I just, I got on the, on the front of the trailer, was able to bring it around and restrap <laughs> it, pull it back up. It was, dude. Do you have a little audience? Total rook, dude. Can you imagine those kayakers? They're, you know, like just dying laughing at me. Everybody on the boat ramp. Like, oh, it's so, so good. Yeah. I'm just, I'm honored to know that you still make mistakes like that, man. I, of course, they feel good. Yep. And I admit it. Yeah, that takes hats off. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys Cross. catch them? Uh, it was good. We caught a bunch of small ones early, and um, ended up later in the day figuring out some 
some shallow fish that um, they, they seem to be going a little bit better shallow now. And we fished deep all morning and uh, caught some decent fish. It was fun. So cool. Right on. How late did you guys stay out? Uh, I don't, I think we fished till about one. So how many it's starting to cool down? You can do that again. Yeah. The weather's perfect. You could fish all day if you wanted to. So how many burritos did you eat? Four, uh, <laughs> four, no, <laughs> two, two Tonys and, uh, <laughs> and one on the way home. So Damn, three total. Yeah. Josh's face right there is a screenshot in itself. It's pretty good. Gosh, I'm no. jealous. I was pretty jealous. I didn't get invited. And then I forgot about Tony's. So <laughs> just, I got kicked out of fantasy football. No one takes me to Roosevelt. All you got to do is fish on a jet ski for a couple of days and all your, your buddies somehow forget you. You get disowned. You know, I got a, I got a, I got a couple calls about Nick uh, <laughs> mentioning on the, on the pod about uh, asking Josh who his captain's pick would be. Remember that? Oh, for the uh, Ryder cup. Remember the Ryder Cup, and then Nick said, "Hey Josh, who would you pick, <laughs> Nick or Rob?" And yeah. I took I took Rob, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, just so you know, I got a couple people hear that Nick. It was pretty and, great, and, and they don't and they don't believe it's right. That's why they're reaching out to you because they know that I am Captain Material, dude. I'll tell you what to make you feel better, Nick. And this is the, this do. is the honest to God's truth. I'm Good. here at the U.S. Open, and we just had uh, a <laughs> fight. What happened? There's a fight on the football There's game. There's a fight on the football oh, game right now. Unbelievable. Nice. Uh, that's crazy. You don't see that in football a lot. Um, but I, 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 uh, Berkeley had a setup here at the uh, registration meeting. So I'm standing there uh, in the, at the Berkeley table giving out the baits and everyone's coming through. And uh, a few different people came in, talked to, complimented the podcast and said, and, and specifically mentioned Nick loving his stories saying oh, yeah. he's the glue that keeps it together so oh, that's uh, awesome there you go hey these headphones are about to bust because my yeah. head is swelling hey, so thank, fast. yeah thanks so to those guys uh for yeah. saying that and you know i, I know you probably hear this so now um, rob please kick my shins real quick bring me back to reality i will don't worry <laughs> but yeah thank you that uh that's pretty kind yeah so speaking of nick what uh so we talked to you well, last time we chatted you were struggling with the jet ski fishing but trying to make it work but uh you actually got out and made some stuff happen after that so how'd the rest of the trip go like john c riley and talladega nights i became the magic man now you see me now you don't but uh we i was trying to remember where we left off in this and i specifically have not talked to either of you about it because you know you always want to like laugh and have a good time with your friends once because the second time it's not always the same so we were at the depths of despair when we last spoke, we never fell off the jet skis though. So I think that's worth like a trophy in and of itself to, well, my brother-in-law is a grown ass man. I'm still kind of like prepubescent sized, but regardless, <laughs> 450 pounds of man on one jet ski, not falling off is pretty good. So I had mentioned that my brother-in-law is a, is a, a mechanic for Volvo and he's a talented one. And uh, so he had had enough of, the jet ski sucking ass as had I. So he got creative and he decided to trade this car that he took in at the dealership. He bought it cause it overheated. He threw some parts at it, fixed it up and he was just going to sell it. So we made a Facebook marketplace ad and we made an offer up ad to trade this 2009 Volvo sedan for a fishing boat. And now in Arizona, <laughs> if you would have done this, it would have took you two and a half years to ever even get like a beat up canoe. But in Alabama where it really is sweet home Alabama. There's thousands of solid options. So right out of the gate, he gets a bite. And he neglected to tell me that this was a two and a half. Oh, he's texting me right now. He's almost like he knows we're talking about him. Because now he's a diehard fisherman. This long, yeah, boring nice. story is going to tell you that he is like as diehard as they come. He went from like Walmart combos and night crawlers to catching three and a half pound spotted bass with Dustin Cannell. That's the spoiler alert on this. That's not bad. Dude. So, so the first one out of the gate is in Troy, Alabama, which is like, it's outside of Troy from where he lived. It was like a two hour one way drive and it was his birthday and he's all excited. And dude, he showed me pictures and it was like, what's the boat. It was like a 94, um, Astro, right? That old sweet. fiberglass brand. Oh, not sweet though. This was like, Bro, someone had 
someone owned an electric drill that did not deserve to, and they had punched holes up and down this thing. 93 rod holders were through the gel coat along the rails. Of fish the mountain, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looked like I wired 400 different lights to this thing. And I told him, I was like, that's a bad boat, bro. He's like, no, he's interested in the car. And that, that was like, it's got a 30 year old outboard on it that we can't make work. Even you can't make it. It had a force on I it, can. didn't it? It sure did. Sure did. And uh, long story short, we drove all the way there. And his car is really nice. It's got leather seats. I mean, air conditioning's got 140000 It's a $5,000 car every day of the week. And this guy wanted like four grand for this major piece of crap boat. So we drove all the way there. And the guy was like, I'll just be honest with you. I don't want the car. I was like, what a dumbass, bro. If that would have been me, I'd be like, you want to give me your car for this piece of, okay, sure. So we swung and missed. Wasted five, five and a half hours. Needless to say, my wife was really excited when we came home after that. And uh, his wife was even less excited. So then fast forward the next day. And he's like, dude, look at this one. And fully expecting to see another turd nugget. This, on the other hand, was like a 2006 Alumacraft with like a 50, no, it was a 40 horse, um, little two stroke Merc outboard on the back, like just a solid, simple. And it, it wasn't, it was a, it wasn't a stern driver. It has steering wheel and it was a great flat bottom aluminum boat, newer motor guide, trolling motor on it, had a Lowrance hook five. I was like, that guy wants to trade. Okay. He's like, yeah, I'm leaving right now. I was like, you go get him tiger. And it was only 45 minutes away. Hour later, he texts me. He's like, "Dude, he took the deal. Can you come pick me up?" I was like, yes. Woo! So, dude. So we drove down there, and we had redemption. We get this boat, and it is like one thousand percent unreal, dude. It's totally a bitch, and it's like black. It's all, it's all win, right? So we're just like ecstatic that now we have a fishing craft. We might actually catch something. Which he did manage to catch a nine-inch channel catfish one night off of the uh, jet ski. So the jet ski did get one fish over the gunwale. So the night, that night we went out on a, an excursion. In the Alumacraft? In the Alumacraft in a driving rainstorm with no spotlight. I hopefully, you know. In the dark? Broke, broke a few laws and it was sketchy, but we made a run to a bridge, hung out under a bridge for like four and a half hours in a rainstorm drowning why? hot dogs why what do you think the end of this story is i can't even guess nikki came through with a five and a half pound flathead catfish <laughs> like a boss it was like 2 a.m and i finally get my first bite in like 37 days of alabama fishing there's a you know a little baby flathead but it still was exciting so enthusiasm's through the roof boat was a success next day we've been running a pontoon boat but the pontoon boat was just a people holler up to there's this mind-bogglingly gorgeous waterfall on Lake Jordan. Dude, it's like every part of Alabama just awed me. But this was remarkably beautiful. But there's a big sandbar so everyone would swim. Well, the next day, we just happened to bring a couple of rods along. And I had only bought, you know, a West Coast fisherman who's not that good. What do you bring? Drop shots, right? I was like, we're just going to drop shot. That's our only chance of catching anything. We have no trolling motor. We're never going to catch anything with a reaction bait. I bought one jerk bait. And so somehow that made it in the tackle bag onto the pontoon boat. And we're running to the waterfall. It's raining. The kids are going crazy. They've been cooped up all day. Everyone's just like at their wits end. It was just time to go to the waterfall, let the kids swim so everyone could decompress a little bit. But my brother-in-law is like, dude, we need to go to the dam. And he's, he kind of has like a judge of distances and times that is maybe a little lighter than it really is. He's like, it's like two or three more bends up the river. 15 minutes will be there. And it's raining. Everyone's cold running in this boat. The kids want to swim. And I was like, uh, all right. Like that pontoon boat with all of us is going like 17 miles an hour downwind maybe. Well, needless to say, it was pretty damn far to the dam. How long did it take? Like <laughs> 35 minutes, dude, Woo! one way. So we're running and running, and we get there. And luckily, he, you know, I was ready to just turn and burn. Okay, there's the dam. Let's just go back and let everyone swim. He's like, let's fish a little while. I'm like, all right. So we tie everything on, and it was a good call because the kids are all excited, and we're back to drowning hot dogs and night crawlers. And I was probably about 
three or 400 yards down from the dam. I didn't want to get too close. It's, it's actually like running water. So I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to, God forbid a kid falls in. We don't want to be those people. Yeah, dam's a dangerous place, dude. It really is. There's big ass signs everywhere saying like, you're an idiot and you will die if you go past this line. And although I am an idiot, I didn't want to die. So I could see though, all of a sudden I looked up and I, I'll be damned, dude. There was, it was a boil going on. And I was like, nah, there's no way. And then I looked again and it looked like National Geographic, man. They're boiling like crazy. And then I'm thinking like, you know, we're just dying in 30 feet of water, drowning a hot dog. We're not going to catch a cold doing that. And I was like, God, if I only had something that I could run up to those boils, maybe he could like drive the boat and then I could cast off. And I was like, I have a jerk bait tied on or I have a jerk bait. Let's tie this thing on. Well, it was like, uh, what's it's the KVD series. It's a decent little jerk bait, but it's the big one. So it's got like three trebles on it. I, so everyone's like, you're an idiot. It's the whatever size, but I can't remember what size it was, but suffice to say it's the big one. And we've got 14 people in a pontoon boat. And the new game plan is for me to stand on the deck and furiously cast into boils while he idles me around up there. No one got hooked. And for like 20 minutes, Dude, they were just going on, but it just like right when we get there, just like boils always do, they'd go down. Sure. And then they and, boil where you just came from. Oh, dude. And so at this point, the kids have already been deprived of swimming like an hour longer than they thought. Selfish. Every They've ate all the snacks. It's We have a mutiny, bro. Like the little pirates are ready to take over the steering wheel and like throw us off. So one more shot and we know it's in there and they stayed up, dude, in the it was one of those epic moments where like the jerkmate landed and your rod loaded up. I think nice. it was like that game where their mouth is open and you drop it down in it and you hook them. Dude, just instantly. I was like, I got one. Dude, it was the cool. Everyone went wild. They're like, ah, the kid, I have a video. The kids are screaming. And I was like, okay, okay. And I was like, no pressure now, dude. If this fish comes in, you <laughs> I might as well just fall off the end of the boat. So I fight this fish and it was, it was big, man. It was pulling drag that on a little spinning rod. The whole time I'm thinking I've got like a big ass, my first Coosa River spot and it's going to be a dandy on a pontoon boat in front of my beloved family and friends. And then I see it's like a four and a half pound striper. And I wasn't that disappointed, but I was kind of confused. I was like, oh, they're stripers. And then more I thought about it, I was like, well, yeah, duh. Like, of course it's going to be some big ass stripers, but it's so cool, man. I like, I fought it, swung them over the side and everyone went wild. And, and that striper, you know, when you fish with, people that aren't super accustomed to fishing what's the first requirement they have when you catch something you got to keep it oh yeah so you know that you know that i hey, roasted that thing that night yep. and it was delicious. you were the hero this is the fish uncle nick caught dude i'm, I'm like <laughs> legendary stats at this point i yeah. need a polaroid picture of myself on his fireplace mantle because i'm walking like... around the house with your chest <laughs> puffed out remember that fish you saw me catch bro remember that moment when i had the action shot yeah i was going around yeah. like asking my 10 year old niece like remember that time anyways fish was delicious i undercooked it a little bit so it, was, it wasn't raw but it was like medium rare in a few spots but Ooh. you know none of us have food poisoning and none of us turned into thermometers from the mercury that we probably ate but it was pretty special and the most special part was the next day old dustin Cannell was finally able to go out with us so it was like we you know we had caught nothing 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 and then we get that flathead. Now we catch a striper on a pontoon boat. Like the stage is setting for like the grand chorus of fishing trips. And Dustin didn't disappoint, dude. We instantly got on the boat with him and it was just like lights out, incredible fishing, different lake, but same deal underneath the dam, catching fish out of boils. And it was, it was, I mean, it's not even anything to say other than it was just epic. But what is worth saying is that i mean i've fished next to you guys and you're both fantastic anglers and like i always get my ass kicked like it doesn't matter who catches the most or whatever but it's just like okay it's like a three to one ratio fishing with you guys like you catch three i catch one dude dustin is on another planet bro like at one point i think he caught like well over 10 and i mean dude they're coming up and he would throw he can make he if if working a fluke was a language he's the rosetta stone of that he makes that thing look so alive dude they'd be blowing up and i'm throwing a fluke right and i i'm not that good but i also can freaking twitch can fish, a spook dude i can twitch a spook bro he's like twitch 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 pause and he just it looks like he's having a seizure on the boat right he's doing all these crazy things and then the toilet would flush and instead of ripping it out of his mouth dude he'd sit on it 
and then bring the wood and boom, there's like a four pound spot. And then he next cast to do, 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 And then boom, it's like a seven pound striper. I, it was a clinic. I, I, a few times I just stopped and watched it because I was like, what is he doing? Like, sure. how do you, how do you do that? I'm throwing the same bait, same, same lot, say it's his freaking tackle. And he's just like, he's just that good. And Rob, you fished with him. You've seen and Rob, yeah, it's Josh, phenomenal. you know, but he's, it's like, he's real fun to fish against, dude. Yeah. It's awesome. I, it's just, I, it was like, <laughs> man, like it was on another level, but it was cool. I got to catch a couple that were pretty big. And the best nice. part of the day was my brother-in-law, uh, Sergio. He, you know, he got to, he got to catch a couple of good spots. He got a couple of big ass stripers and it nice. was just like, you know, cheek to cheek smile. So he's all hooked, day. man. That's oh, great. For sure. And it was funny. Cause you know, he took the whole week off prior to that and, uh, from work. And then Monday we fished with Dustin and he was supposed to go back to work. Indeed. <laughs> he didn't call in or anything. 5 a.m. We're at the gas station getting practice answers. We're going to start rolling. And he types up the text, but he meant to hit send at like 7.30 that he oh, no. got, got food poisoning. Bro, he bombed it out at 5 a.m. And we're driving and his phone dings and 5.45 his boss got the text and it was it was all good. But I, you got to love that, dude. He's like, oh, this is a once in a lifetime chance. There's no way I'm going to work today. He's <laughs> like, we should be, you should be honest and say, hey, like, I'm going to take one more day. And he's like, no, I'll just tell him I got food poisoning. Dude, what if his boss is listening to our podcast? Yeah. I, There's a really good chance that he is. Yeah. Well, if he is, <laughs> he just please got don't fired. fire. Yeah. Please don't fire Sergio because he's, he's the man. But I just, I love it, dude. That's how he rolls. Like everything is just all in. Like let's drive five hours for a boat hey, that the guy cool. doesn't want. Like it's just, it's inspiring because I tend to be like all talk and no walk. And he's the other way around. That's cool. What a great, we uh, need what photos a great of week. that boat. Yeah, I will. I'll say, I got a classic one of, of him. And then he's got a three-year-old and my two-year-old. And dude, they fought the whole time we were there. Those kids were like duking it out. One minute, one's in a headlock. The other's like, I mean, it was like, they didn't, they, they'd have moments of peace and you know, they'll be best friends their whole life. But this age is not one of like sharing or caring. It's just like, that's funny. come dude. at me. But so there's a picture of them in the boat, dude. They're just sitting by each other, like stoic faced, just like, they loved the boat so much. All they wanted to do was go for rides in it, and it was, it was all win. That's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's cool. They even got along on it then, huh? Yeah, but, dude, those spotted bass are, oh, my gosh, pound for pound. What what would a seven-pounder fight like, dude? It'd have to fight like a tuna. Like, yeah. I mean, they're so freaking – they're great. They're well, overachievers. Yeah. One sure. really crazy thing with spotted bass is, uh, depending on where you catch them, some of them jump. And some of them don't jump after they're hooked. So I'm curious if those fish would jump after they were hooked. I don't specifically remember then, any of them they jumping. And, and okay. so maybe not. But do what they felt like is like taking a pit bull for a walk. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The throbbing and just, oh, dude. And, and Pepe caught, Sergio caught a good one on a whopper plopper. And like some of the eats that day oh, man. were just like burned in your memory that you'll never forget. That's like fun, everyone dude. has those topwater bites. And dude, there's just something about the slow, steady whopper plopper going over a spot where there's a riffle in the current and then just a toilet flush on it. It's no funner way to catch fish. I mean, topwater uh, in general, but having like surface activity to throw uh, at and just the anticipation of that is like, it's, it's awesome. I'm not going to lie. I've like spent all my screen time this week was on Zillow looking up properties in Alabama, dude. It's just, it's highway robbery. What you can buy out in Alabama for like living on a lake with, a dock and a boathouse and that's what like a two-bedroom apartment rents for every month in phoenix it's crazy that's cool that's Got cool it. what an awesome place man and what a great ending to the trip that's cool yeah thanks it was how about awesome. you josh catalina wine mixer how's the u.s open going yeah so it's uh, it's been good i've been here practice is over today's the off day tournament starts tomorrow it's supposed to start tomorrow we'll see if it does because the wind forecast is psychotic um one of the worst i've ever seen at a tournament so we'll see about that but um it's been good the the bite's been pretty good for me. The water's really low. So what does it look like? Is it just, it looks, I mean, dude, it looks like it always, it's still a okay. huge lake. And that's one thing like it's, it's in the lake is in danger because yeah. it's low. If it gets too low, they're not going to be able to use the dam to run power. And that's a big problem. Uh, I mean, the, there are problems, but it, the lake is still massive. It's still 
500 feet deep in the channel. It, it is. It's, yeah, it's four or 500 feet deep in the deepest part. It's, it's, it's huge, dude. The, the arms are still size of giant lakes themselves. So, and, and as far as the shoreline goes, some years you'll fish it. The lake will be a certain level. Bushes and trees will grow. And then the water will come up five or 10 feet and that stuff is flooded. So you have stuff to fish. This year, there's none of that. There's not a tree in the water. <laughs> there's a lot of grass though. So the grass is really the, you've got grass and rock. You know, it's the same super clear water as normal, but it's totally bay fish driven. So, you know, if you get around some bay fish, you're gonna you're gonna have some fish around you. And if you're around no bay fish, you don't have a prayer to catch a bass. And, and uh, you know, there's a Todd laughing in the background because it's you literally there's no bass. I mean, and there <laughs> are I I fished through some parts of the lake where literally I felt like I'd go three miles and not see a fin of a fish a bait fish <laughs> or a fish and then you get into an area and there's three miles of really good water um so it's extremely difficult if you don't cover enough water to find those areas and and you know it's it's i, I feel like i found some areas that have have a pretty good amount of life and feel okay about it and you never know how it's going to go uh of course you get the crazy curveball i talked about that weather coming in and um we have major, I mean, a major cold front coming. It's going to blow tomorrow. Sustained winds starting at like 11, going to about 5 p.m. Uh, sustained 30 to 35 with gusts oh. uh, 45. So, oh my goodness! And it's and it's a bad direction for this lake. It's southwest, so it blows right down the main lake, uh, the lower basin that you launch in. So there's no getting out of it. The minute you leave the marina, you're in. <laughs> so. Um, We'll see what happens. And then following that tomorrow night, the low dips, the lows have been, you know, the last couple of weeks, the lows have been 60 to 70, 70. It's, it's in the sixties. Well, the lows are in the forties oh. the next two nights. So, you know, we're going to assuming tomorrow gets canceled the first morning, the highs in the upper forties and the wind is still blowing out of the North at probably 15 at takeoff with the residual waves from the, um, night before so it's going to be nasty dude and then it turns from that by noon it's glass calm and the post-frontal bluebird conditions start so Perfect. it's going to be a tough tournament dude i mean even if you a lot of guys have been catching them fishing fast in practice and you may have to slow down we'll, we'll see i mean it, it, you never know how this is going to affect fish and you've got large mouth and small mouth the small mouth might be a little less prone to get messed up from the front but um you know, we'll see. Uh, and one thing, we've got a couple of things we'll talk about on this episode. One would be, we've got a, a question to answer. I've got Todd Klein, my buddy here. He's going to tell us a cool story to end this podcast. But before that, figured we'd talk about pre-fish a little bit. So we have a lot of tournament anglers that listen. And uh, this is this just being here this week, it's a, it's a good example about how you have to practice for the conditions you're going to encounter not so much the conditions that you're experiencing Ex in practice. Sure. So, um, you know, a couple, and I know you guys have both fished a lot of tournaments. So um, I've got some bullet points and I just want to run through them with you guys and, and you know, we'll, we'll chat about it. Perfect. Uh, so the first thing would be, you know, going into practice, I think it's really important to like uh, define a goal for your practice. And it, it's different every lake and every time of year, right? Um, if you're on a lake like this, my goal was to find bait in practice. That's the most important thing is cover a lot of water and find bait. Not so much. And some other goals might be find what, if, say, say you're fishing a heavily pressured lake, your goal might be find a, a, a way to catch fish that's different than everyone else. Find a specific bait that you can go behind people and catch fish with. Um, maybe it's a bed fishing tournament and your goal is find as many bed fish as you possibly can. You know, every, every tournament, it's going to be different, but like to me having at least a, a game, not a game plan of exactly where you're going to fish and how you're going to do it, but what's the purpose of practice um it's almost gotta, like a main theme right it's almost like the main theme of the tournament from from like a thousand feet dialing it on in right sure and, and you're going to do other things obviously you're trying different baits trying to find the best ways to catch them but but like never straying too far from like okay that's the goal 
uh, don't forget, you know, we're looking for bait in healthy areas. Yeah. So go ahead. Explain, Rob. explain what you're looking for in, in a Lake Mead situation. It's a, a big, deep, clear reservoir. You can see pretty deep in the water. Tell us how you go about finding that bait. What, what are your different approaches to do that? Yeah. So every year it's different. Um, every year you come up here and sometimes there's a lot of shad. Sometimes there's no shad. Sometimes there's a lot of bluegill. Sometimes there's no bluegill. So you gotta, you'd start fishing and, and, and you figure out, okay, what, what is, what's it setting up like this year? And I noticed uh, the first day I was here, started going into some cuts and started seeing shad and a, a real lack of bluegill, mm-hmm. not many bluegill at all. So at, th- at that point, it was like, okay, this is going to be a more of a shad-oriented deal. The bluegill, I think, just had a real terrible spawn probably because the water was so low and they didn't have a lot of stuff to spawn around. So, uh, you know, at that point, it's just looking for them. And sometimes, uh, you know, you never know, depending on the lake and the time of year where the shad are going to be, but it was pretty obvious. I mean, the shad, the water's so clear here, and you visually see them with your eyes. Sometimes you see them on live scope, but it was just you pull into an area – and uh, you might see a couple birds, but a lot of times you would literally just see the black clouds of shad. And it was, I mean, just plain as day. If, if you're seeing them, you're, you're, there's life around and you're catching some fish and um, it goes hand in hand. When you weren't seeing them, I wasn't catching anything. And if you don't see shad, you know, and you go into a creek and you don't see a single shad, don't go into the next creek. <laughs> go into a creek three miles down the lake. Right. And if you see shad there and catch fish, then you start going both directions until you stop seeing it. And there's your playing field, <laughs> you know? And uh, so that was like, if I was, if I was around some bait, I was like being a little bit, I was fishing more kind of every more creek or every thorough. bay or every cove. But if I went into an area or two and didn't see anything, I got on the motor and went to a completely different zone rather uh-huh. than killing time and spending time around that. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. They both. I think that tip is probably one of the best I've ever heard because of the fact that, I mean, people don't realize how big and vast that lake is. And that's, that's a great tip on how to make it a little bit smaller, you know, and you could scale that to smaller lakes too, right? The idea being is like get far enough away to look at fresh new water and then work both directions to see where that life stops and starts, I guess. I mean, your, your time's so limited, whether you're pre-fishing for a day or three days, it's all about time. So mm-hmm. another thing too, like, you know, I was talking, I had my buddy Rick with me in practice. And um, if you're going, if you've got a long creek or pocket or cove that you go into and you fish halfway, ba- if you fish all the way back on one side and have not caught and it, it fish, sucks, don't fish the other side <laughs> out start the motor and run out, you know, and and those are things that can just save you time. And now because you did that, that's a whole extra Creek that you're going to get to go into during practice. So uh, being efficient with your time is a really big deal. And it starts out by like, you know, starting with a goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, being efficient with your time is key because like you said, I think a lot of people have good intentions prior to practice. And then all of a sudden they just waste too much time in dead water, you know? Yeah. And those are good tips on how to uh, not do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, go so ahead. on mead right now, those those obviously the shad is where it's all you know cycling around. Are those just like completely nomadic, random knuckleball shad formations cruising around, or are specific creeks having grass incorporated with rock the right way, or is it just like there's that much of the same structure and it's just find one to make it happen that's the magic question and some of it is is you wonder like okay well this area had a lot of bait in it did the wind blow all this in here uh, <laughs> yeah, and right. will they be gone when the wind <laughs> changes and you it, there's no way to really know for sure man you just you just got to play out you hope that they stick around and if they don't you know then then you try to then, figure out why they left and and keep moving but yeah um you know I, i'd rather start where i saw them Oh, start where I didn't. Right. So who knows, man, you could go back to those areas and and the weather changing can change it a lot too. But, um, yeah, it's, it, that's, that is a a magic question. I don't really have a perfect answer for, for sure. Yeah. That just, and there is no perfect answer, right? The tournament will happen. It will play out. Someone will win and life will go on, right? You hope it's you. And and there's a lot of life's questions go unanswered, but it could make you a little crazy thinking about that. If you get, if you got five areas to start with where you saw Shad, if they might leave three of them, but you got two more that you can go to and check out too. So it's all about, you know, and, and, and you hope that they're, 
you didn't get too, too spread out in practice where you might be able to actually hit a few of them in one day and not, they're not 30 miles apart from each other, but those are all things you try to, you try to plan out. And if you find something good, you know, if you have a good day of fishing, it's probably a good idea the next day to not go fish 40 miles from where you had a good day of fishing. Let's, let's find more fish that, uh, can work in with your game plan with the fish you already found. Now, if you go out the first day of practice and don't catch anything, you are absolutely can go fish far from there because there's nothing you're going to come back to. But if you have a, if you find fish that you want to use in the tournament, it's, it's smart to at least try to find stuff the rest of practice that you can incorporate with those fish that you found. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, and then another one is looking ahead at the conditions, of course, like uh, your, your conditions in the tournament, you You've got to be looking at the weather, trying to figure out what it's going to do to the fish. Um, is your is your stuff going to get blown out? I remember a tournament at Okeechobee. There's a, uh, a section of Okeechobee called Observation Shoal, and it's on the main lake of this big giant bowl. And it's on the east end of the lake, and the wind was supposed to blow very super, super hard out of the west in the first first morning of the tournament. And when that happens, it'll blow it out for a whole week. And there were inc there was incredible fishing on observation shoal <laughs> in practice. All the guides are sitting along it. And uh, I mean, do the fish are piled up on it, but like, there's just no point in even fishing it because it's, you're gonna go out there the first day and not be able to fish it and it's trash. So, you know, it's, and hey, I've been, especially earlier on, and it still happens to me now, like, you know, sometimes you do, you don't plan ahead well enough and you get burned, but if you can avoid, you know, if that's going to happen, just don't even fish that area at all. Right. But, you know, it's not even, not even worth your time, even though they're there now, if it's going to get trashed in the tournament, it's not worth fishing. And that's what you're going through right now, right? You could probably get up shallow and throw a reaction or a buzz bait and catch them good because it's been warm and stable and the weather's been the same for the last month. Yep. And now it's about to take the first big crap of the fall and, you know, yep. So, I mean, you, you know that you anticipate it and it, you can still throw those baits in practice because they help you find the fish, but you got to know that in the tournament, you're probably, those areas are going to be really valuable to you, but you might have to try a different bait. And uh, yeah. in that wind tomorrow, like I was trying to think about that too. Like um, yesterday I stopped in the middle of the day and was like, okay, I know it's going to rip on the first day of practice. What direction is it coming from? and what's going to get blown out and let's look for some areas that are going to be protected on the uh, even side. though it might not be blowing when i'm fishing it will have been blowing in here and it could really hurt these areas but go ahead rob i think the the wind blowing out an area is a lot worse than than the temperature dropping do you agree especially yeah. being especially being the first time of the fall i mean two nights of 40 are not going to drop that water temperature a ton mm -hmm. i think it's a good point i think as uh as a person will feel that effect more than the fish will and probably still be pretty aggressive in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And especially the smallies. And I, I, I do agree If the wind just crashes an area. It's uh, it's those fish, a that's deal. a big shock, right? Like you go from having clear water to dirty water. That's a monster shock. Like you're not, you're likely not going to mm -hmm. catch fish there. And if the water temp drops a degree and a half, not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I think that's worse for sure. I think Rob just totally poo-pooed what I said. So thanks, Rob. There's that shin kick. Not intentionally. No. No, dude. I, no, Nick, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, no, I'm kidding. I personally, I know. yeah. I, you know, I, it, it could, it could, uh, you might still catch fish doing that, but you, you got to be open-minded and be yeah, ready to correct. slow down. Well, and this whole to. conversation is in a vacuum in a hotel room and two offices, right? Like what happens in practice and in a fishing, in a tournament, is you know this is just theoretical you do the yeah. best you can with theory and then practice is practice you know like yeah, then you real life the is window. real life yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh one other thing uh is and i wanted to see what uh, you would do when you fish a lot of tournaments rob but uh on on shaking fish off too that's that's one thing where some people love to stick everything in practice some people are so over the top about shaking fish off and then some people are are real situational on when they do all of the above you know and uh I'm personally, I'm probably someone that maybe sticks a few more fish than most or than some, like I'm more on the sticking fish side. Cause I like to, I, I feel like I learn more, but, uh, there's need definitely content for Instagram too, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Thanks dude. Um, uh. 
but like on a place like this, it's important to shake fish off. But for me, like here, I mean, man, if they're schooling smallmouth, I'm not so worried about catching one out of a, a school of a wolf pack of, of five, you know, especially if you're moving fast. But if it's a largemouth that's in the back of a pocket, it's waiting to eat a bluegill, <laughs> you catch that fish, you're screwed because he's the only one. <laughs> and uh, he's going to be there again later. So it, it, it kind of varies. Rob, were you a guy that would stick a lot? and are, Or are you a guy that uh, shakes more fish off than some? Uh, more of a situation, lake to lake, different situations. I mean, some lakes have so many fish that you need to stick them and see the quality of them. Um, in some lakes, Mead, Havasu. I mean, Mead had no smallies when I fished it, which ages me a ton because they've been there a long time. But um, so that, you know, that smallmouth factor wasn't there. We were just fishing for those, you know, seriously individual largemouth in a back of a cut type situation. <laughs> and um, I fished with no hooks usually. I mean, the biggest problem was, is you're, you're dealing with stripers there. So you got to make sure you're not getting bites from stripers and yeah, you, for can, sure. you can usually tell though. Um, but yeah, I was probably more on the, the less, less hooking them. That's cool. Yeah. I wasn't then, as good as Josh, so I could, whatever, I needed, dude. I needed every fish I no. could get. To bite, so. <laughs> and there was no Instagram back then, Rob. So you needed a Polaroid picture totally. of it. And totally. then you had to like mail it to people. Maybe well, you hang them in the local taco shop. There it is. Yeah. Liar's yeah. Corner was Rob's studio yeah. on the ceiling. I remember one day, on the, don't look up in Liar's Corner unless you want to get your eyes burned. Um, <laughs> like any good tackle store, always look up, but only when you're ready. Um, I remember one time, Josh, early on in our friendship, I, this was back when I was still allowed to practice with you. I wasn't quite tournament partner level yet, but I was practicing with you a bunch. I remember that was a mean joke. I remember a guy telling us about, uh, pre-fishing and he was shaking fish off on a crankbait. Never forget it. Just, it. I'll dude, never forget it. It's the, that's one of the best dude talking about practice with people. Everyone he gets took his hooks off his crankbait. Completely then, off. Yeah, he's, dude, can't risk shake. it, bro. But, but how, he, he even how, had like, if I remember, he had like a story about like the speed and cadence of reeling it to where he could like kind of like guide them close enough to get a good feel for the size and then, you know, encouraging them to spit the crankbait out. That's just maybe, your typical maybe he put the Maybe he put the fuzzy side of the Velcro uh -huh. on there. Yeah, just enough. Just <laughs> enough. That's oh, a good right? idea, dude. That's yeah. a great idea. That's so funny. Oh, Dude, big. I do remember one situation at Lake Powell. I shook off a fish, super shallow water. There was other boats around, and I literally had a five-pounder, like, flying out of the water, <laughs> trying to get my jig feed as I'm reeling it, it feeding in. Feeding him like, oh, yeah, reeling it in, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> was like, just no, going, no, 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 no. Yeah, he was going nuts. The other classic is, like, a boat runs by, and you got one on, and you're, like, feeding it line with the tip in the water trying oh, to pretend yeah. like you don't have one and then it jumps <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep that's funny that's probably happened to everyone i i'm guilty of purposely breaking a fish or two off over the uh, years when someone comes by i feel bad doing that but uh it's happened yeah. i don't well, i don't suggest that it's not good for the fish but it's happened. peter frowns upon it but you know um okay so and then the last thing I want to bring Todd in here uh, real quick, but the last thing I've got um, is sometimes a mediocre practice is good. So don't get down if you don't have the best practice ever. I can, I think, uh, and you guys probably, you can tell me what you think, but a lot of my best tournaments are when I just barely, I get some bites. I don't have anything super dialed in, but I feel like I, I kind of have a general idea of what's going on. I don't have a glory hole or anything, but I have an open mind and, and go fish. Everyone always does so well in practice. It's because they fish with an open mind in practice. And it's so funny Pressure's how off. you get tunnel vision in the tournament and just only fish the exact areas you got bit in practice with the exact baits. And the, the day is never the same twice. So mm. uh, definitely, um, you know, if, if you have a, just a decent practice or a bad practice, it's okay. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, think about the guy, especially if this tournament cancels on the first day. Think about the guy that had the terrible practice. <laughs> he goes out with a completely different mindset. Um, he's not locked into chasing fish that were prior to the conditions, you know. Totally. Yep. So, yep. But you yeah. still have to be mentally strong to be able to be that way. I mean, you have to realize that you can catch him. You just didn't run into them in practice. That's probably the the other part of it. 
Yeah, yeah. easier said than done. But if you, yeah, that's that's one of the things that, that really separates the great tournament fishermen is they have that that uh, mindset and they short term memory. You always yeah. you always hear that from the guys like on the BP uh, Bass Pro Tour and and the Elite Series how they'd almost rather have a mediocre practice, but the part people don't understand is those guys are at that level for a reason. They believe in what they're doing, no matter if they're catching them or not. So sure. the, the theme today is easier said than done, right? Yep. Like it's easy to, to formulate all this stuff and then it all encapsulates into that. Like just, you know, show up on tournament day, fish, stay open-minded and yep. go for the gold. There you that's go. What I always, that's what I always did. That's, that's your modern life. Do we have any gold? questions oh yeah let's hit that question real quick and i feel bad for todd he's sitting here in this quiet hotel room trying to be uh quiet tell him to be quieter he said you're not quiet (laughs) enough (laughs) (laughs) hey you pipe down over there yeah we do have a uh, question a question here so let me pull it up all righty so uh this is from a listener he says if you were competing in the a's the one bass az open on the pro side would you just be disappointed to be paired with a triple-A angler from Minnesota that has no experience on Lake Havasu. I would love to compete in a bass tournament this February, opposed to dropping a line through a hole in three feet of ice. What are your <laughs> thoughts? And please be honest. I love it. And uh, I'll let you guys take this one, because um, I've been talking for the last 45 minutes, but I, I, I know you're going to say the same thing I, I would. Go ahead, Rob. My take on it is I would rather have a guy that knows nothing about Havasu and I would like to have a guy from Minnesota because I know those dudes catch a ton of fish. So he's got experience catching fish. Um, you know, those are your people. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. The, the co-angler situation there, if I have a guy that is a accomplished fisherman that literally just will, I know this sounds weird, but do what I ask him to do. Uh, maybe fish a little bit different than what I'm doing. Um, and, be open-minded and go fish and have a good time. I mean, I would have no problem drawing a guy like that. The fact would that be, there's be much ahead. better than drawing a guy that gets in your boat and goes, I fish here all the time. <laughs> you, and then you start questioning. Second like, guessing. Yeah. Am I doing what, what, what I'm doing? Is it wrong? And is this guy, I mean, those thoughts creep into your mind. So that, a, obviously this is a shared weight tournament, right? Yeah. Oh, yep. Good point. Oh, to, yeah. We did, that is we didn't address weight, yes. that. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's my it point. is yeah. true. Yep. yep. And so it, it just like compounds what you're saying, Rob. And the fact that that guy who asked the question has the awareness to even be thinking that tells you that whoever draws him is going to have a great day. Absolutely. Yeah, if, I if thought you're, the same thing. Dude, like you're going to make that pros month or maybe season by being just open to what Rob suggested, you know, listen to what they maybe want you to throw and, and just be a positive, you know, I, I, triple a was all i did and i i looked forward to that i really did i liked it you know i who doesn't like to talk a little smack behind people's back so when you get the pro who was a jerk you tease about that to your friends but i looked forward to getting the pros where like there's camaraderie you learn you you cheer each other on like fish that havasu derby and you're gonna have a blast if that's your mindset and if you're a pro and you don't treat the shared weight deal like a team deal or or just really try to <laughs> work together. You're, you're a dumbass fool. Yeah. 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 Totally. That's the truth. Yeah. In hindsight back, I mean, I fished a ton of the shared weight deals and, um, after guiding for, you know, 10 plus years, I've learned a ton that I could have probably used back in those days. You're just helping because I mean, you can, you can judge judge is probably the worst word, but you can see what you're dealing with as a, as a angler, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cases where you don't need to help them at all, but there's a lot of cases where you do need to help them. So, yeah. and if they and weigh one of your five fish at the end of the day, you're ahead of the game. That's right. One less that you catch. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's something to take advantage of. So yeah, man, I, I totally agree with these guys come out here and uh, I know you're going to, it's all about having a good attitude and I know you'll have one and uh, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy Lake Havasu in February. Fishing is, uh, is just fair that time of year for Havasu, but it's beautiful. And uh, it does beat the heck out of being in the snow. So hopefully uh, we see you out here, man. Um, Nothing then, like Havasu in March missed it by one month. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You might want to extend your stay a little <laughs> bit longer, man. But uh, 
without uh, waiting any longer, let's bring Todd in. And, and uh, we've had Todd on before, super accomplished tournament angler. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, he's won a ton of stuff out West and uh, he's a good friend of ours. Um, I'm going to try to unplug the mic that way. We've got one mic. It's awkward and I have headphones, so we're not going to do the deal where we each have <laughs> I one in each yeah. ear, like a, uh, Come on. Like a boyfriend, Aww. girlfriend type deal. We're just going to unplug it. And, I know uh, you guys pushed your happened. beds. You pushed your beds together in that hotel room. I know you did. Terrible. <laughs> What's up, Todd? I've never met you. I was not on the podcast when you were on. So nice to meet you. I am not hearing that. Yeah, we got here. no audio. Hold on. We got to get the the Filipino um, uh, helper. I hear some tapping now. Oh, but I don't hear you. Cue the awkward music, Rob. Hey, Rob, tell us a joke. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Rob's jokes. Bad dad jokes. I have nothing. <laughs> I got a dad bod. Yeah, oh, because that's not even plugged. Hey, in. I hear it you now. Unplugged. Josh, we hear you. Earth How about Josh. now, guys? We gotcha. heard you a second ago. Yep. Unbelievable. I can edit it, dude. But Oh, I think it makes yeah. it even better. I love it. I think it's good. Just say technical Nope, we hear him. They can't even hear me. No, but here. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And we are excited to hear what Todd has to say. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I don't want to have to edit that. So let's just try to roll. No, um, this is USDA organic right here, baby. This is, this is cost you extra yeah. in the grocery yeah, store. We're doing it. We're doing it guys. We're, we're... <laughs> awesome. Hey Josh, don't worry. We told, we told jokes the entire time. So we're good. Yeah, you're good, dude. I could hear you guys. You just couldn't hear me. All right. But anyways, uh, all right. We're so, terribly uh, funny. Todd, how's, how's the lake treating you this week, dude? Uh, you know, I love coming out here, Josh. It, it, and we've talked about it, you know, being that we're rooming for this event. But um, it's just such a beautiful lake. It's giant. It's very unique to any other lake that I've ever been to. A lot of wildlife, crystal clear. It's got both species, smallmouth, largemouth. Uh, as far as practice goes, you know, I, I was listening to you guys earlier here. And uh, this lake of all lakes I try to take the, the high road as far as not sticking fish. You know, every once in a while, if you're fishing something kind of with bottom contact, um, you got to keep it honest to make sure kind of what quality you're looking at. Cause you can get a lot of bites and go back there and think you got the winning spot and never get a keeper fish. So stick a couple here and there. And then, uh, you know, other baits that, you know, are kind of more big fish baits, maybe put a little, uh, I guess you'd say like a plastic stopper over your hooks. You don't stick them, but you feel the thump real hard. Uh, and obviously top water, bend your hooks in, you see them, you know, they're there and you keep moving, you know, so uh, totally. we'll see, you know, it, it's been a great fun practice. Nonetheless, we had beautiful weather. Uh, like you were mentioning though, there's, there's a hurricane on the way and we'll see what the other stuff looks like. <laughs> He's got a text right now that canceled the first day. Yeah. So oh. we, knew that. yeah. we knew that. Um, well, that's cool, man. Right on. Yeah. What's cool is like after Todd will go through an area shaking everything off, I slide in behind <laughs> with hooks on and catch everything that he shakes off. So uh, just don't tell me what size they were. So yeah, I know yeah, exactly. Um, so we have that worked out pretty good, but um, dude, Todd, uh, we don't want to keep you too long here. Uh, we're going to go grab dinner in a little bit, but um, dude, do you have one story that stands out from this tournament? Cause it's such a unique lake and such a unique tournament. Um, do you have one story that kind of stands out from this event? I got, I got a couple classic ones, but we only have time for one. Hopefully I got enough time for that one. Uh, this, this tournament, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting on a lot of levels. And one of it is due to the fact of the diversity in this event, you got all levels from the top guys like yourself on major league fishing to guys that literally this is their first tournament as a pro. Sure. Um, and so, and you can, you can see it on a lot of levels, but it's a great experience for them. And it's cool because, you know, they may be back for years to come. They may be the next Josh Bertrand. We don't know that, but it's new to them, you know? So with that said, I used to co-angle and uh, day three here in one of the years that I was co-angling, I meet my, my pro in the morning, like you do. And uh, I'm going to use the, the name Timmy. We're not going to use his real name. So mm -hmm. good morning, Timmy. How you doing? Hey, Todd. And uh, I, all right, I'll grab my stuff and put it in your boat, Timmy. And I go to put my stuff in his, you know, on the co-angler side. And I look and there's a gigantic bazooka tube and an amplifier. And I'm like, okay, so where do I put my stuff? Hey, Timmy, where do I put my gear? Uh, just put your bag in the middle and put your rods on the deck. I said, okay, cool. And I go up the front to put, put my rods up on the deck and uh, can't find the straps. Hey, Timmy, where's your straps, your rod straps? Oh, man, you know, they're on the other side. You put the tips towards the bow and then your butt's down towards us. Oh. Oh. Okay, all right. So I strap them down and, 
Timmy's got a really old ProCraft and an EFI on there, and we're going to make a run all the way up into Overton this day. And Timmy, day one and day two, hadn't caught a fish. Uh, I was up here prior in my own boat, did a little practice in, and found some fish. But, you know, as we all know in practice, you don't know if they're going to be there, and it's day three already. And so I asked Timmy how open-minded he was, and he, he asked why. And I said, well, you know, I can't guarantee anything, but I found some fish, and if they're there, you know, they're, they're good fish. Timmy said, let's go. I said, yes, let's go, Timmy. <laughs> So uh, that morning, the wind's blowing pretty good, like it does out here at Mead, and, and uh, we start to pull out from the tires, as they call Timmy's boat number, and Timmy leans over, and he goes, hey, there's going to be a lot of people passing us in the narrows, but don't worry. When we get on the other side and it's rough, this girl rides. I said, okay, oh. Timmy, let's go, man. And uh, we get on the other side, and things start to clear as far as the, uh, the land mass, and uh, Lake Mead starts to show her teeth. And uh, I start to hear everything on this boat rattling. And I, I look in the front and good Lord, his trolling motor's three feet in the air. And I said, Timmy, let me strap down your trolling motor. He says, oh, the bungee cord fell off yesterday. Oh. I, said, oh, I said, oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so we just, we get our teeth kicked in the whole way up there to Overton. We make it though. And when we get there, nobody's in this, this particular area I want to be in. I said, yes, we did it. So I go up to the deck to grab my rods. First rod I pick up tip falls off second rod i pick up tip falls off oh, i'm not oh. lying guys four of my rods broken because timmy's trolling motor broke them all was karate oh, chopping him for 25 miles i look up to the sky and yell a really loud f-bomb for everybody in the area <laughs> and take a deep breath and timmy goes don't worry man i got more rods i got more rods he goes into his locker box and he pulls out a nice skeet reese rod for me <laughs> so uh shout out to you skeet so i grabbed my reel and uh i put it on skeet's rod and uh grab my top water that i wanted to throw that day and fire out there pop 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 <laughs> net all right you know so I'm, I'm putting it all behind me and the guy looks over he goes all right top water okay he hasn't even got a rod out yet oh my goodness he goes into his box and i see him pull his box out he has one top water and it's a bomber. I didn't even know what it was at the time, but he tells me after the fact. It's a bomber gadonkadonk is what it's called. And I nice. think this is an ocean bait. Okay, It looks like a finger mullet. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, good Lord. But at this point, I'm literally looking at it like I'm the pro and I got to catch five fish today. It is what it is. Um, just quickly, this guy has no electronics. Okay. Um, so he ties his stuff on. By this time, He's I'm a real like, man. Yeah, I've got another one. Dude, net. So he comes over and nets it. In this transition, while he's rigging up his rod, he tells me, he tells me, hey, man, you know, this is one of my first tournaments. So if you, you know, I, I know I'm signed up as the pro, but if you see something you can help me with today, let me know. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do my best. You know, I, I'm learning too. So he fires out and I'm still like kind of tripped out about this bait that he's got on. He starts walking and I look over and I go, I, I said to myself, I'm like, wow, this thing looks pretty good. All right. And Boom, he gets blown up. He sets the he he winds down, sets the hook yeah. like he's on a jig. And I'm like, <laughs> the, the bait goes flying, he loses the fish, and I go, Oh, I go, dude, 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 dude. Sorry. I said, Hey man, uh, I kind of try to take a deep breath and be cool. And I said, Hey, you asked me if there's any advice. I said, Well, just quickly, when we're throwing top water, as soon as that explosion, it's kind of like a simultaneous thing. You want to see one if the bait's still there, because sometimes, especially the smallies here, they'll knock it up in the air, come back down. They'll do a cartwheel over it. And until you know he's on there, just reel and kind of lean, and you're going to get him. Don't set the hook. Okay, 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 cool. <laughs> a few minutes later, he gets another one, okay? And he catches it. He's like, thanks, man, cool. So we get, we get a, um, a small limit. You know, not, not a small one. We got a couple good ones and a couple small ones. And we make a, we make a move. And we go to, you okay? <laughs> you have rocks on the edge of her seat. Just, She's just, losing her mind. Okay, uh. just making sure. I didn't know if that was like a sound you guys, time's up or something on the story. <laughs> We're loving yeah, the story. That's the boring, story, Paul. Boring. So we make, a, we make a move to the other side of Overton. It's kind of midday, you know, that, that midday doldrum. And uh, we haven't been bit in a while, neither of us. And uh, so I'm, I'm facing one way. He's facing the other. Remember, he's got one, one topwater bait. And I can hear my bait. He can, you know, we can hear both the baits kind of walk in and I hear a goal and it's on, not on mine. It's on his. And I turn around as I turn around, he's winding down again. He sets the hook, sets it so hard, breaks it off. 
Oh, and, and it's only top water. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, the line, and, and now I'm thinking, I've got to give this dude one of my baits, which at the end of the day, I've got it because we're a team in this darn thing. But I'm still mad because I, I mean, it sounds like a big fish. So I yell, at, I yell another cuss word. And then I, I, you know, I kind of settle in and I start to go to, in my box to get him a bait. And I hear a jump and I hear a rattle. And I look back, his fish has jumped, swung its head and hooked its tail and it's floating. Oh my I run God. to the trolling motor, hit it on high, fly over there, net it, and get his bait. Shut up. True story. <laughs> promise you. you and I, fish? And I, yes. I'm not lying. I got chicken skin. I said, you know, I'm a bit religious. I said, dude, that's a sign right there, dude. There's something special ha- happening here today. Please don't set the hook anymore. Let's get this thing retied and let's go, dude. Right? Yeah. So I'm tripped out. I've never seen anything like that. So he gets retied and, uh, you know, that fish helped us. <laughs> So it's like midday now. We still got plenty of time, but again, he's got Timmy's got a very old boat, and I'm like, okay, I think because I was already in pretty good position, you know, as a co angler. After two days, day three, we've got a limit. It's a decent limit. I'm like, hey, let's start working our way back, you know. And I didn't tell him, but in my mind, I'm like, in case we break down, right? If we make it back, yeah, right. So we start rolling on our way back, and I'm like, hey, roll into this cut. We pull into that cut, and he, I fire out, and I'm and I'm working my bait back, and boom, I catch a solid smallmouth, like a three pounder, right? Put it in the well. It actually is a big fish, gets me a check that day. Put it in the well and now I'm really psyched. As I go back there and I'm dealing with it, you know, put it in, in, you know, culling and stuff, he's fishing. And I just get back up there after I did retie, I just get back to the bow and he's about probably 15 feet from the boat walking his bait and kaboom. He sets the hook again, the bait, the bait goes flying. And as his bait, I see it out of the picture. I toss mine in two twitches. I catch it. It's like a two and a half pound largemouth. helps us. He goes, dude, that was rad. I'm like, dude, that was your fish. <laughs> yeah, That was your fish. Anyway, that's the end of the day. We roll all the way back. We make it. We had the big bag of the day. We had wow. 13 something pounds. Unreal. He, he had no electronics. So he wasn't going to get a check. He wasn't sure about the big bag thing. If he did, they were going to mail it to him. So that night I'm at the awards and the top, uh, the top bag for each day also got to go up in front of the crowd and pull a card to have a chance to win a 12 inch Lawrence for the pro in a, a 10 or a nine for the, for the co-angler. So they, they called the dude's name. He wasn't there. Billy's like, Hey Todd, come on up. You fish with him. So I go up there. I'm the third guy to grab the card. And I, you know, you got an envelope and I get the envelope and I, I looked in there and I, at the time I didn't see the card. So I figured, okay, I didn't win. It was one of these dudes. And one guy had a Jack, another guy had a 10. They're like, what'd you get? I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, and I pulled it out. It's an ace. So I ended up winning the units. The dude got a 12. I got a nine. Nice. Uh, so what, what was a crazy story had a fantastic ending and, and uh, it was, it was pretty darn cool. Pretty legendary. I love sharing that story. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. What the U.S. Open's all about, dude. Typically, it's like on the it goes the other way a lot as far as like yeah. the voters like teaching the co angler a lot. But I mean, everyone won that day. Yeah, no, it it was epic. And again, you know that that's that's the really cool thing about this event is just the the diversity. You meet a lot of cool people, um, and it's just really healthy for the sport. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank yeah, you. thank you. That was a great story. Yeah, everyone except for my Chihuahua liked it. She that's thinks cool. you did some work on your storytelling, but I was fully entranced the whole time. <laughs> well, that's cool. And the other thing that's really positive about this is that Josh, you know, he's a big time major league fishing guy and, you know, I'm kind of a regional guy. So he's, you know, he, he's kind of a limelight guy and I'm kind of in the shadows, but the <laughs> fact that we only had one set of headphones and we got to share them here, I feel like there's a real bonding moment. Oh, and I got yeah. a photo of it. Hey, <laughs> Post it. Listen, yeah. this guy gets up every morning and starts telling stories about his dreams, dude. <laughs> nice yeah. that's nice <laughs> bro i had a jacked dream it, too i we don't need to go down that rabbit hole but does he have any good ones our alarm goes off the other morning and uh he it's 4 30 and it now it's 4 30 and one second and he starts telling me he's like i gotta tell you this story before i forget it and uh <laughs> i was i was asleep and he tells me he had a dream he caught this fish out at me so he's, he always dreams about fishing that shows how much he loves it right and uh, he says he catches a fish and the fish is jacked, like muscular. And it's got abs. And uh, <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. I shared it on uh, on the show. He, he, it was just hilarious. And, he caught uh, the Jose Canseco of Lake Mead. 
he got the Jose Canseco of Lake Mead. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I told him, dude, I want whatever you're on, man, when uh, you're sleeping. So it was, it, it's been a fun week, and uh, he's a great guy to hang out with. Uh, obviously, you can I'm, tell he's a great storyteller. So I'm so bummed, man. Next year, I as all 23 people listening to this, and you guys are my witness, I'm fishing as a AAA next year in the U.S. Open, dude. This is oh, going to be a blast. Oh, dude, Thomas Rob's AAA. That's perfect. Rob, woo, accountability partners. Maybe. <laughs> Hashtag cash and checks. Hmm. Right on. <laughs> he says, hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks again to uh, Todd for coming on. And uh, make sure you guys follow Todd on uh, Instagram and Facebook. He's a great follow there. And, um, you know, he's, he's always on the water. He does a lot of guiding. If, you, uh, if you're living anywhere in California and you're looking for a guide in that area, check him out. He can uh, teach you some stuff about fishing in clear water, too. So, um, But anything else you guys have before we shut this thing off? No, just best of luck to you guys. Go catch them. Wear your life jacket. Great advice from both of you guys. Thank you. Hope you guys have a a good rest of the week. Good luck on your trips, Rob. Hopefully you get on the water a little, Nick, and uh, we'll talk to all of you next week. Thanks.